thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. I want to say something before I jump into this. You really, <laughs> you really, really, really need to be here next week. Now, I know there's a lot of times a pastor will tell you that, and he's going to preach something, and then you say, well, you know, I can listen to it on the podcast, or I'm sure somewhere along the line, if you stay here long enough, preacher, you'll preach that again. I can promise you this. What I will preach next Sunday, I will never, ever, ever do again this side of heaven. Promise. Okay? I know some of y'all are like, I'm writing that down. I promise you I'm not going to preach this message next week ever again, ever. So if you can do it, if you can help it, if you can make sure that you're here and you can bring your neighbors and your friends, that would be wonderful. Because what we're going to do next week to finish the State of the Church Address has never been preached here and never will again. Okay, what you will hear, you'll never hear again. I promise, okay? I know that's a terrible tease, but I'm telling you, you'll never hear it again. Today, State of the Church Address, the second part of the State of the Church Address is simply entitled, Understanding the Why. Understanding the Why. I think it's safe to say that many of you in this crowd today probably know what we do. You know what we do as a church. You're pretty clued in through website, through times of service, through Wednesday night. You know what we do. But I bet you, you've never given a whole lot of thought about why we do what we do. You ever think about why a church does what it does? We all know kind of what a church does. But have you ever thought about why a church does what it does? How about you? You know what you do, but do you know why you do what you do? We're going to look today at why we do what we do. Because listen to me, when you know the why, it changes everything. Changes everything. Watch this clip. Yo, what's up, you tubalies? This is comedian Michael Jr. Um, I just did a stand-up comedy show in Winston-Salem. That was fun. Winston-Salem, home of the, the Winstons, the Salemses. It's some good people there, like for real. Anyway, I was there doing stand-up, and I said to myself, you know what? It's break time. For those that don't know, Michael Jr.'s break time is exactly that. In the middle of my stand-up comedy, I stop doing it, sit down, and just kick it with the people. Check it out. Just some random dude. I don't even know who he is. We just start kicking it, and look what happens. Let me talk to the brother right there. Yeah. Yeah. What's your name, bro? Daryl. I'm going to need you to slow down with all that, bro. <laughs> For real, you're scaring the white people. You can't do that, Daryl. I'm sorry, bro. You're scaring me too, though. <laughs> wow. Well, what do you do for a living, Daryl? I work at Oak Ridge Military Academy. I'm the music director there. 
Musical director, Old Bridge Musical Grand. Okay. Yeah. But you got a deep voice, man. I would not want to get you mad. Jonathan, come here. You're like, oh, snap. Nine Jonathan show up. It's amazing, dude. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me hear. We didn't plan this. Just so y'all know, we didn't, we didn't plan this at all. I'm just randomly talking to go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if. Uh, your uncle just got out of jail. You got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you, you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Dude is just sitting in the audience with all of this skill, all this talent that I don't even know about. Wonder if you got some skills and some talents that folks don't know about that you kind of hold on to. Wow. Woo. I'm gonna say something to you before I get, I, I've got a slide, but I gotta say something. What you saw the first time what you saw the first time he sang that was religion. I want to say that again. What you saw the first time he sang that was religion. He knew what to sing. He knew how to sing it, what to say, what to do. But the second time, oh my goodness, the second time he sang that, that's called relationship. Because he'd been changed. See, <laughs> we can sing. We know what to sing. But dude, when it's, when it's a relationship and it's changed you, you sing it different, dude. You just sing it different. I, see the impact that religion had? That Nobody moved in there, did they? See what the impact relationship when someone's a changed dude had? That whole place erupted. Whole place erupted. Because it stirred all the change in those guys too. 
They felt that song because they had been redeemed as well. They felt that. That relationship, they felt that. See, when he started singing that out of a changed life, those who had been changed also, it resonated with them. And that's what happens, man. It just stirs something in you when you see change in someone. When you see somebody that's really been changed by the king, it'll never be the same again. I want you to see a slide. Pop that slide up, guys. When you understand your why, you have more options for your what. Then you can walk forward in purpose. When you understand your why, mm, it gives options to your what. And then you can walk in purpose. See, when a church knows its why, mm, that is one powerful machine. It can then walk in purpose. Because why changes everything. A church that knows what it does, it does stuff. But a church that knows why it does it is totally different. A person who knows what they do does one thing. But a person knows why he does what he does. Totally different, my friend. Totally different. And we're going to look at that today. Because when you think about it, do you know why we as the church do what we do? We're going to look at that. I want you to turn your Bible. It's going to stretch you. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. I just love saying that. I should have had a third child named him Habakkuk. That's just powerful, man. A dude named Habakkuk has got to have some big old cannon arms. I mean, he's got to be buff. Habakkuk. I mean, that's just a big name right there. Habakkuk. That's a 6'4", 285 guard right there, I guarantee you. Habakkuk, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. Habakkuk 2, 2. You should listen to the words. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the Herod may run with it. You listen to it again. Write down the revelation and make it plain on the tablets so that Whoever reads it can run with it. You want me to tell you why a church doesn't have power? Because the church doesn't even know why it does what it does. Why are we doing that? I don't know. Why are we doing that? I don't know. You know, you know what happens? You know what kind of outcome you get to I don't knows? I don't know. You don't have anywhere to chart that. You don't have anywhere to recognize that. How do you know? Worst thing you can hear from your kids' mouths when they walk out the door. What are you going to do? I don't know. You're not going anywhere. You ever felt that way? I mean, that's a scary thought. Your kids drive, driving out of the parking lot, driving out of your driveway, and, you, and they don't know what they're doing. I don't know. When a teenager's brain goes dead, dangerous things happen, Okay. I'm just telling you. And a church must know why it does what it does. When a church knows its why and the people 
representing the church that make up the church, know the why of the church. That church has power. And a church that only knows it's what is not going to make any impact for the kingdom. The enemy will not be afraid of that church. But I'm going to tell you something about this church. I want the enemy to tremble at this place. I want him to tremble when we gather like this. Because when we worship, we know why we worship. Because we've been redeemed. We've been born again. We've been set free. There's a reason we sing. That second version of that amazing grace, that's how you sing it. When you know you've been changed. See, if I'm only coming to a church doing the what of a church, I don't do much. I don't do much. What doesn't motivate me? Why? Mm, that motivates me. You get a coach that draws a play up, and the players say, what are we going to do, coach? We're going to do that. Why? I'm not sure. Y'all just do what I tell you to do. They're not going to do anything. That's going to be the ugliest play I've ever seen. But I'm going to tell you something. If that coach can instill in those boys why they do what they do, they're going to blow them dudes off the ball. And they, I mean blow them off. I don't care how much bigger they are. Why is a powerful thing. Write it down so all that hear it can run with it. I want to show you four things, kind of a mission statement for this church. Why we do what we do. So every time you see us do something, you're going to know why we do what we do. They're going to filter through these four things. They're going to be these four things every time we gather. Because if they're not, no point of gathering. No point of gathering. Number one, number one thing that this church does is we want people to know God. You know people that know God. Know God. Not have fun. Not, 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 not be entertained. Not be comfortable necessarily. Some of y'all are like, I'm freezing to death. I'm not comfortable. But, but not, that's not the deal. What we meet for is for people to know God. The K-N-O-W, God. And what I mean by that is when you know God, not about God, know God. Okay? Know God. See, the first song he's saying, you can sing knowing God. Know about God. Sing that song. Lost people sing Amazing Grace. They sing Amazing Grace all over the place. I bet you, you could start Amazing Grace in any bar in Amarillo and people would join you. Try it. My pastor just told me to go to the bar. <laughs> Rewind that, okay? Hit that delete button. But I'm telling you, you that, that people know that, okay? But, dude, when you sing Amazing Grace and you know why you sing it, because you've met, personally been met and changed by the amazing grace of Jesus. You sing that from a location that you don't sing that from when you don't know him. You sing that from deep down in where you've met him, man. In your darkest nights, in the darkest times of your marriage, in the darkest times of your company, in the darkest times of your life, in the 20s, when you were in college and struggling all by yourself and it looked hopeless and God redeemed you and set you free and set you on a rock and you sing a song now because he put a new song in you. You'll never sing it again like that. That's what he's talking about. When he says sing, it, sing a new hymn over me, when I put a song in your heart and sing it, that's what he's talking about. 
We meet here as the church. I'm telling you, we meet here so people can know God and meet him. Meet him. Man, we've had people walk in this building just blatant, in-your-face atheists. Okay? And walk out of here born again, children of the king. That's what you want in a church. You You know the number of adults we see saved. That's a cool thing. Okay? We want people to know God. We're all about salvation. We're all about being born again. That's our whole goal. And you say, well, that's all y'all want. Y'all just want us to get saved. Well, are you expecting an apology for that? Okay? That's what we want you to do. We want you to be born again and change because that's what church is all about. If a church is doing anything other than that, number one, they're in trouble because Jesus says the church Needs to change lives. The church is where people meet Jesus and are changed. Number one, one thing we do here is we want people to know God. Number two, right behind it and very important is we want people to find freedom. Find freedom. You can't experience freedom until you first acknowledge the lie that has you in bondage. You can't experience freedom until first you experience the lie that has you in bondage. It works like this. Confession leads to repentance, which leads to what? Freedom. My friends, when you get honest and confess the bondage and the lies that you're buying into, and the Father sets you free in repentance, you repent from that, And that means you're going this way, believe it a lie, and you repent and you turn and you head a different direction towards freedom. You were once in darkness, and now you walk to the light. Listen to me. You can can need freedom from relationships, freedom from broken relationships, broken marriages, broken past, all that junk. You can find freedom from all of that junk. And when he sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let me tell you that song again. When you've been set free, ooh, you could sing that from your toes, man. From your toes. You meet God. You know God. You come to know him. And then you find freedom. Some of us walk in here. We're born again. We know Christ. But, man, we're not where we need to be because we have bought a lie about who we are. We bought a lie about our past. We bought a lie, and we're full of just a bunch of lies, and we're believing a bunch of junk about ourselves, and we need to flush all that junk and get it out. We need to come clean with that and let our minds be washed. We need to sit under the Father and let him sing a song over us. We need to sit by the fountain and let the blood of Christ wash us clean, white as snow, and then walk out of here believing that, that you've been redeemed, and there is no condemnation for you as a child of the King. When you get set free, man, you might even sing that song and hop a little bit. And that's okay, all right? That is okay. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you've been set free, it is hard to keep a free man down, okay? It is hard to keep a free man down, okay? And when you've been set free, man, from a whole bunch of junk, there's nothing like it, man. They take you from the junkyard to the Taj Mahal. You might get a little bit excited. You might get excited. We exist as a church for people to know God. We exist as a church for people to find freedom. And we exist as a church for people to discover their purpose. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, it is really fun 
on this side for me sometimes. When I watch my church find their purpose. When I see adults and I see young people know what God has shaped them to do. They find their purpose, man. They know that God has molded them and shaped them and all their days have been ordained. They know that God has an incredible plan for their life. They get saved. They find freedom in that. They begin to find their purpose. When they get in their purpose, they find their spiritual gift. Man, when you find your spiritual gift, the way God motivated you, you get in. When you start using that motivational gift, when you start losing, using your spiritual gift to impact the kingdom, oh, my goodness gracious, there will never, ever be a time where anybody has to tell you to go get them. Because you, once you taste that, oh, my goodness gracious, you can't get it enough. I'm telling you. If you don't know your purpose yet, I want you to keep digging in to the king. Keep pressing in to the king. If there's never been a time in your life that you've even taken or looked at a spiritual gifts test, you need to get your paws on that. You do. And I can introduce you to some folks that have put it in your hand. Okay? When you know that, it'll set you free. I'd give you a guess what mine is, but you can pretty much tell. I have the spiritual gift of exhortation. I'll tell, I'll tell a dude laying down that he can tackle a diesel. And I'm going to tell you, I'll motivate him. He'll go try. It won't work out very well. But I'm going to tell you, I can get him to go. And that's what I love about the church. My granddad, the old Indian, he always thought I'd be a coach. Well, I'm kind of a coach. I'm not a coach, but a pastor. But I'll show love to tell the church how it can be a powerful team and can conquer the kingdom and make a dent in the kingdom for God. I love to motivate people and tell them they can when they believe they can't. I believe that Jesus loves to do that to people as well. Listen to me. If you don't know your purpose, find your purpose. Find your purpose here. If you're looking for a place to serve, we can definitely get your paws dirty here. Okay? You come up to any of the pastors on staff and say, Hey, man, I know God needs to use me, and he wants to use me to work with youth. He wants to use me to work with children. He wants me to be used to work with adults. He wants me to serve on ministry teams. He wants me to greet people. He wants me to set up a chair. He wants me to help people from the parking lot all the way into the building. There's a purpose for you in the kingdom, and you got to find it. When you find your purpose for the kingdom, you find a reason to get your head off the pillow other than the job that pays your check. Oh, man, they'll never have to motivate you again. Never. See, your purpose is not the job you have today. Can I say that again? Your purpose in the kingdom is not the job you have today. There's a reason that's bigger than you for you. There's a purpose for you in the kingdom. Find your place in the kingdom and get busy. And you will have the time of your life. There's got to be a reason bigger than your job to get your head off the pillow. It may be at your place of work. That may be your mission field. That may be where God's using you. That may be where God's changing lives because of you. Then get your head off that pillow and go. You can't wait to get there. But find something bigger than yourselves for the kingdom, the reason your head comes off the pillow each day. When you find that, man, I'm telling you, it'll light a fire that'll never be put out. It'll never be put out. So we want to know God. We want to find freedom, help people discover their purpose, and last... We want to make a difference. We want to make a difference, friend. You want to make a difference. We talked all fall about in it, not of it. Jesus called us to be the light of the world, a city on a hill. You don't put that light under a bowl and it only gives light to this. You put that light on a table and it gives light to everything around it. My friend, 
make a difference. When you meet God, when you find freedom, when you find your purpose, now go make a difference. Go make a difference in people's lives. Listen to me. There is absolutely nowhere you're at any time of the day that hasn't been ordained by a sovereign God. See, some of y'all think that's not true. I guarantee you there's some folks in here that do not believe that is true. You think where you are on a given day sometimes is a curse from God. See, when you change that mindset, it'll change your life. See, many of us, unfortunately, have victim mentality. Well, there it goes again. Everything I got breaks. Every line I pick at Walmart, that woman can't run the cash register. Oh, Lord. It's a credit card. Just swipe it. How long can that take? Where'd you get them driving? You cannot drive. You idiot. I mean, that's the stuff we think. We all day long. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when people make you late, it wasn't people. The person that you needed to be next to hasn't arrived at their location quite yet. If you got there too quick, you would miss them. But because you were running late by some curse that's on your life, you got there when you were supposed to. God orchestrated that encounter. Now you have to see it. You won't see it with these eyes. Why? Because they have limitations. You must see it with the eyes of your heart. Then you see it the way God wants you to see it. And then you make a difference. See, some of y'all are mad at your neighbors because their dogs keep getting in your yard. Hmm. Maybe y'all let that dog do that in your yard while you go talk to your neighbor. Okay. Those people bought that house not because that house was so incredible. People bought that house because the house was incredible because you are their neighbor. There's a kingdom purpose there, and you're not seeing it with the eyes that you need to see it with. you got to go make a difference. I promise you this. Your student today has a teacher that God divinely appointed for them before they were ever born. Don't rob God of the pleasure of watching your student change a teacher's life or watching a teacher change your student's life. Just let that happen. I have no idea who that little old lady was that that I had for my second grade year. Second, second grade year. Okay? Some of y'all like, I knew he had a problem. Yeah? I still do. All right? I don't have any idea who that person was. But I can tell you this. There's very few days that go by that I don't think about her. Because while I always had those big old gray earphones on, sitting in that little cubicle, watching that ball bounce, she kept saying this to me. It hit that word, and I'd have to say it. It hit that word, and I'd say it. And she had to say this a lot. Jeffrey, that's not how you say that word. But in between those times, she said this to me. I believe in you. God has great things for you. This is not who you are. This is not the rest of your life. God's shaping you for a purpose. Big purpose. A big purpose. A big purpose. God's got a plan for you. God's got a credible plan for you. I believe in you. 
You can do this. You can do this. He'd, she'd wipe my tears. And she'd say, say that word again. I said, I can't say that word again. I keep stuttering. You can say that word again. Trust me, just settle down. And you say that word again. And I try to say that word again. She'd hold my hand and walk me through a lot of tears when I was in the second grade. It wasn't very few college campus, very few college classes that I didn't take at the university. I didn't think about her. I didn't think about her. Let me tell you something. When I was laying in that dorm room that night, Billy Foote Jr. was sitting over there picking his guitar. And I had people all around me talking to me about ministry. But I didn't see it because I was looking with these eyes right here, these physical eyes had limitations. And I opened the heart of my eyes and my heart. And I flipped open my Bible. And I flipped it to Jeremiah chapter 1. Never saw it ever in my life. And it said, do not say to me, you're only a child. And you can't speak. For I'm going to put my words in you. I'm going to touch your tongue with anointing. And you're going to teach and preach to everybody I put you in front of. I'm going to let you speak to nations. And I read that. And I'm telling you right now, it scared me to death. But I knew I needed to hear that. And here's the face that I saw when that was going on. I saw that little old lady. I believe in you. God's got great things for you. He's got a great plan for you. Jeffrey, you can say that word. I believe you can. And she'd hold my little hand right there on my leg, and I was shaking. And she'd always do this. You're okay. Say that word one more time. And I'd say that word one more time. Can I just tell you something? Wherever God puts your feet, make a difference. Because there's somebody that needs your words, somebody that needs your hugs, somebody, somebody needs you. That neighbor, that kid down the street, that person at work that you've been dying to go ask, tell me your story, this or that, let God use you to make a difference. Go out there and be salt. Go out there and be light. This church exists Four things. People to know God. Okay. People to find freedom. People to find their purpose. To know their purpose. And to make a difference. The church has to know its why. When the church knows its why, it can go in purpose. And a church that can go in purpose knowing its why is one powerful powerful, powerful thing. You can't stop it. There's not a river out of its banks that knows its why and its purpose. It'll take everything around it. That's what this place is, man. It's an absolute river of the move of God. And it knows its purpose and it knows its why. I'm going to tell you right now, consecrate yourselves today. For God's about to do amazing things in your midst. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Mm. God, when we know the why, it changes everything. When we know the why, it changes everything in us. As individuals, the little church, and corporately as the big church. When we know the why, 
It changes everything. Father, this morning, in this invitation time, help us understand the why. To know God, to find freedom, find our purpose to make a difference. Every single day, Monday through Saturday, we, the church, walk in our mission field. And we gather on Sunday morning to celebrate that. God, if there's someone to sound in my voice, that they know the what about Jesus. But they never met the why of Jesus. That he came to change their life. That they are hung up in all this religion, but they don't have a relationship. God, I pray this morning you set them free and they come to the saving knowledge of the King. God, if there's a family looking for a church home, a church with purpose, laser focus, Father, this is the place. I pray you lead them here this morning. Father, may the altars be full of people doing business with the King, identifying the why of their life and the why of this church. God, move us now out of obedience. May we trust you. And may you find us faithful and bless us. For this is my prayer in your name. Amen.